Matthew chapter 12. Then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. All the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, they, say, they said, it is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to him, said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons. Then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. And so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. This is the word of the Lord. Well, I hope you're able to stick around for dinner after church. And I just want to thank those people who've been busy preparing the food for, uh, for dinner and thank you for your generosity. I think it's going to be a really great feast and community time together. Let's pray as we come before God and his holy word. Lord, you say in your word that when you speak, when your word goes out, it does not return to you empty, but you accomplish what you desire and you achieve your purposes through it. And so we pray now as we gaze at your wonderful word, would you accomplish your purposes through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, we're at the end of our series in the Gospel of Matthew. We're pressing pause as we head into Christmas. Uh, as we finish this series, I want you to imagine this passage like a boxing match. You're in a boxing ring and, you know, the referee says, in the red corner, we have Satan and his demons, mighty, powerful. In the blue corner, we have Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's kind of what's happening in this passage. There is a spiritual battle going on in Jesus' life and in Jesus' ministry. It was happening then, and it is happening now. It is happening now if you're a believer, actually for all of us. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 6, he says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Do you know that? You are in a spiritual battle against the dark world, the spiritual forces. And so this afternoon, I want to take you to the boxing ring. And I want us to see this spiritual battle that is going on. Jesus 
versus Satan and the demonic world. Three brief reflections. Number one is this. The demonic world, the devil, it is real. It is real. We don't talk much about the devil or the demonic world. We kind of assume that uh, people that are obsessed with that stuff are a little bit crazy or we kind of make it a bit comical. We think it's something that just belongs in movies or in Hollywood or something like that. But the devil is real. And the Bible says that Satan is the prince of this world, the, the, the ruler of this world. C.S. Lewis has that famous quote. He says that everyone falls into one of two errors. Either we think the devil doesn't exist and we forget about him, or we're obsessed with the devil and the demonic world and have an unhealthy obsession with them. Now, some cultures in our world today do have an unhealthy obsession. You see someone that's got COVID, say, oh, well, you must be demon-possessed. A demon gave you that. But here in the West, it's probably the opposite problem. For us, our problem is that we fail to believe in Satan and the demonic world. But look at our passage. I want you to see how this is just the world that they inhabit at this time. It begins with a man who comes up to Jesus who is blind and he is mute, but they're just symptoms. They're symptoms of the fact that he is demon-possessed. Now, I want to say, it's not true that, it's not the case that everyone who is blind or mute today is demon-possessed. That may be the... But very... I mean, that's not what this passage is saying. If you come across someone who is sick or is suffering, it is not because they are possessed by a demon. But in a general sense, all suffering, all sickness is because of evil. In a general sense. Because our ancestors, Adam and Eve, rejected God's rule. Our world is under the curse of sin. Our world is in bondage to the evil one. And so all suffering is in a general sense, not a, not a specific sense, but a general sense because of the brokenness of our world. Do you see that? Poverty, abuse, the pollution in our environment, backstabbing, death itself. Everywhere we look, we see the way our world is in bondage to sin, Satan, and evil. We see the effects everywhere. The demonic world is real. And we forget this in Sydney. If we have a problem in our marriage, for those of you who are married, we go and see a counsellor. Now, that is good and that is right. Not enough people go to see counsellors when it comes to marriage issues. But we forget that the devil wants to hurt marriages. When we're sick, we go and see a doctor. That is good. That is right. God in his goodness has given us great medical care. But we forget sometimes to pray. If we're struggling with addiction... We go and get professional help. That is good. That is right. But we forget that perhaps Satan wants to oppress us and keep us in slavery. Do you see? We forget the spiritual side 
Do you realize that the devil does not want you to be at church right now? The devil does not want you to pay attention right now. The devil does not want to see our church grow. He does not want to see people become Christians. He does not want to see you fight that sin. He wants you to remain captive to it and oppose you and the church at every step. Do you believe that? Well, Jesus, he sees this man, and what does he do? He heals him. He heals him. Verse 23, all the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? Could could this be God's king that we've been waiting for, the promised Messiah? But what do the Pharisees say? Look at verse 24. But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, it is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. You see, again, they're, they're inhabiting this spiritual world. They say, yep, he healed the guy but he did it by the power of Satan. Notice how they don't question whether he did it. They're not there going, oh, no, he couldn't have healed him. It must be some kind of magic trick. It must be some kind of optical illusion. No way. They're convinced he did it. Which, by the way, I think if, if you've ever got doubts about the historicity of the Bible, this is just one more thing where you see that the people that were watching Jesus' miracles, none of them were questioning whether he did it. Jesus had performed many miracles by this point. The Pharisees had seen many of them. No, for them, their issue was how he did it. Their issue is that he did it, they say, by the power of Satan. Beelzebul, a popular name for Satan. So that's our first point. The devil is real. Do you see the spiritual battle going on? But the good news is, The devil is no match for Jesus. Which brings us to point two. God's kingdom is advancing. God's kingdom is advancing. Have a look at what Jesus says back to these Pharisees when they say that he's working for Satan. Verse 25. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. And every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? Jesus is saying, it is illogical for you to say that I am driving out demons by the power of Satan. That's illogical. That's like saying that there would be a soccer team in the World Cup where half the team were trying to score an own goal. That team ain't going to make it very far. It's like some kind of civil war where where two sides are infighting. I mean, that's not going to work. Jesus is saying, how can I be driving out demons by the power of the demonic world? That's stupid. No, it's Jesus versus Satan. And he says, verse 28, look at verse 28. It is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons. The kingdom of God has come upon you. He's saying, I'm not doing it by the power of Satan. I'm doing it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Across Jesus' ministry, we've seen him empowered by the Holy Spirit. He was baptized. The Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. And as we see Jesus do these miracles, the kingdom of God, God's rule is coming. As he preaches, the kingdom of God is coming and advancing. 
As he heals, the kingdom of God is coming and advancing. As he has compassion, the kingdom of God is coming and advancing. And here, as he dries out the demon, he frees this man from the control of the dominion of darkness. The kingdom of God is coming and advancing. He's winning the battle. He keeps going on. Verse 29, look at the next verse. It's this weird little bit about a strong man. Verse 29. Jesus says, Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder the house. What's he talking about? Uh, often we think, oh, strong man, it must be Jesus. Well, no, actually, the strong man here is Satan. He is strong. Satan has genuine power. That's why he's so terrifying, I think. What's the strong man's house? I think it's this world. The devil is described as the ruler of this world. What's the strong man's possessions? I think it's humans. People who the the Bible says don't know God are, are in the dominion of darkness. And Jesus says he has come to Tie up the strong man and and free those possessions, plunder his house, rescue people. Last week, we had a thief break into our church offices at Kirribilli. He broke in, went through the church offices room by room, opened all the drawers looking for stuff. Eventually, my office found our, our, our safe and tried to nick off with it. Now, his plan would have been pretty good. He could have got away with it. The problem was he didn't tie up the strong man. In his case, the strong man were were five Christians from our church who at 10 p.m. at night had finished leading Alpha and were praying. They saw this man out of the corner of their eye. They confronted him. He dropped the safe. They called the police, and they dealt with it. Now, if this thief was smart, what he would have done was scattered out the area, found those five Christians, tied them up, and that way they're dealt with and he's got free reign. He can steal whatever he wants, do everything because the enemy is neutralized, you see? Jesus is saying that's what he's come to do. He's come to, to bind up the strong man, to conquer Satan and then carry off his possessions, to free people from the dominion of darkness, bring people into the kingdom of light, Bring people forgiveness and mercy and peace and love of God's kingdom. And he's doing that in his ministry here. But you want to know where his knockout punch is in this battle, in this boxing ring? His knockout punch? You'd think it would be some kind of impressive move or jiu-jitsu move or something like that. No. His knockout blow is a display of great weakness. Would you ever think that in this cosmic battle between Jesus and Satan, the knockout blow would be a display of great weakness? Jesus dies on a cross. That's where he has the victory. At the cross, he deals with your evil, my evil, He pays the price for it. 
And that means one day he'll come back, get rid of all evil once and for all, but he won't have to get rid of you. And he won't have to get rid of me. At the cross, he pays for the penalty of our sin. At the cross, he deals with the root cause of all the injustice, all the wrong, all the death, all the destruction, sin itself. As he dies there, he defeats sin and brings us freedom, the freedom of forgiveness. He defeats the devil. We no longer have to be in bondage and fear to the evil one. And he defeats death once and for all. Hallelujah. It looks like a moment of weakness, actually. It's a moment of great victory. And then he rises again. And we look forward to the day when he comes back and ends the battle entirely. Now, the battle's still raging. Satan still wants to oppose you. He still wants to oppose our church. The Bible says he's prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The battle's going on, but it's a bit like D-Day in World War II. Uh, D-Day was in many ways the turning point of World War II. June 1944, Allies land on Normandy Beach. People say that's pretty much when the war was kind of won in many ways. And yet the war still went on for about another year until Germany surrendered. It's kind of like that. At the cross, we see the battle is really won. Jesus had the victory, but the battle's still raging, and we're waiting for when Jesus returns, and there will be that final victory. That brings us to our third point. Choose your side. Choose your side. The battle is raging, church. The devil, the demonic world is real. Jesus has come to oppose it. He's come to bind up the strong man, to advance his kingdom, to bring people from death to life. Choose your side. Jesus says something that I think if he said it in 2022, he'd be cancelled within like five minutes. Verse 30, the next verse. He says, Whoever is not with me is against me. Now, that's pretty full on. Jesus is saying, you're either with me or you're against me. You're either with me or you're on the side of Satan. Because that's what these Pharisees are doing. They're opposing him. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, hang on, hang on. I'm not really a religious person. You know, I'm not really... Um, I'm not really one of those full-on Christian types, but I'm not against Jesus. I mean, I think he's a pretty nice guy. I think he was a great teacher. I think he's had a big impact on history. Well, there's no middle ground. You can't sit on the fence. The devil owns the fence. Jesus says, you're either with me or against me. There's a famous saying that Jesus was either a liar, lunatic, or Lord. He's either lying about everything that he did, or he was crazy, or he truly is the Lord. And modern people hate it when people present the options like that. Because we want to say, oh, look, 
He's just a nice guy. He's not a liar. He's not a lunatic, but he's not Lord. He's just a nice guy. But those three options, we're not given that option, actually. We actually have to decide, do we believe he's a liar, a lunatic, or the Lord? You can't sit on the fence. The devil owns the fence. So if you're here tonight and you, maybe it's your first time here, maybe you've been coming here for ages, but you've never actually decided. You've never actually decided what you think about Jesus. You've never actually made a decision. Am I going to follow him? Am I going to trust him? Am I going to receive his forgiveness? Can I encourage you? Can I plead with you to do it? You can't sit on the fence. And I truly believe that if you, you've got to choose your side, and if you choose Jesus, you're choosing the winning team. You're choosing the winning team because he's the one with victory. You see, for those people who choose not to follow Jesus, who are against Jesus, Jesus gives a warning. It's in the next few verses, and if you've been a Christian for a while, you may have heard these verses talked about as the unforgivable sin. Anyone heard of that before, the unforgivable sin? And my guess is if you've been a Christian for a while, you may have at some point worried, have I committed the unforgivable sin? Well, I'm going to explain what that is in a second, but let me just say, if you are worried that you might have committed the unforgivable sin, it's almost certain you haven't. It's almost certain that you haven't. Let's have a look at it. Verse 31. Jesus keeps going. He says, And so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. First, it's just worth pointing out, Jesus says, every kind of sin can be forgiven. Our God is such a forgiving God, isn't he? No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, if you've cheated on your husband or wife, if you've hurt people, if you've lied, if you've stolen, whoever you are, God's mercy is more for you. But Jesus says there is one sin that cannot be forgiven. It's often called the unforgivable sin. What is it? Blasphemy against the Spirit, Jesus says. Now, we've got to remember the context. Anytime you're reading a tricky verse, you've got to look at the context. What's the context? These Pharisees are saying that Jesus is doing all these things by the power of Satan. And Jesus says, I'm doing it by the power of the Holy Spirit. So what's this unforgivable sin? What's the blasphemy? It's saying that Jesus is working for the evil one. It's, a, it's rejecting the work of God's spirit. In the battle between Jesus and Satan, it's, it's picking the other side. It, it's the rejection of the spirit's work. That's what the Pharisees are doing. See, what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit shows us who Jesus is. The Holy Spirit works in our hearts so that we repent 
And so if you want to reject the Holy Spirit entirely, you are rejecting Jesus and choosing to continue in unbelief, rebellion, and denial of Jesus. You may have revealed to you who Jesus is. You may be sitting here hearing me preach about Jesus. You might be like the Pharisees who's just seen Jesus perform a miracle. You've seen Jesus. And the Holy Spirit might be prompting you right now, prompting you to respond, prompting you to trust Jesus. And to blaspheme the Spirit is to completely close off your heart and say, I don't want anything to do with him. I don't want to follow him. I don't want to serve him. That's what the Pharisees did, and that is the unforgivable sin, a permanent rejection of God. That's why if you're here this afternoon and you're worried, have I committed the unforgivable sin? It's almost certain you haven't. Because the fact that you're worried about that shows that you have a conscience that cares about God and, and disobeying him. And you see, it's also why that we, we're never really in a position to say whether someone else has committed the unforgivable sin. Only God knows people's hearts. Only God knows whether one day he will bring that person to the Lord. God can soften anyone's heart. Perhaps this afternoon, though, you've been spending your life sitting on the fence. Or you've been on the other side of the fence, rejecting Jesus. And perhaps right now, God's Holy Spirit is prompting you to trust Jesus, to say sorry, to enter his kingdom and to receive his love. Don't put off those promptings. Don't close your heart. You have to make a choice. Jesus says, you are either for me or against me. It's pretty confronting. It's pretty divisive. It's very exclusive. But Jesus said it. The battle is raging. The devil wants to tempt you. The devil wants to harass you. The devil wants to discourage you. Even those of you who are Christians. But if you trust Jesus, if you put your faith in Him, the battle is won at the cross. Your future is secure, and you no longer need to fear Satan because you belong to Jesus and His Holy Spirit is inside you. For those of you who haven't yet responded, don't ignore those promptings. Choose the winning side. Choose Jesus Christ because you are either for him or you're against him. And he is for you. He gave up his life for you so that you know his love and his grace. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we need not fear any of the powers of this world, 
any of the evil powers, thrones, rules, authorities, because you are for us and, and no one can be against us in an ultimate sense. We thank you, Father, that at the cross, through your son Jesus, you conquered sin, death, the devil. And Lord, we long for that day when Jesus returns and conquers evil once and for all. Lord, help us to be on our guard against the evil one. Help us to persevere, to, to extinguish the flaming darts of Satan as he tries to discourage us, tempt us, harass us. And for those in this room right now for whom you might be prompting to turn to you, Lord, I pray that they would see this decision, that you would be showing them your love and that they might experience your forgiveness, your kindness, and your grace. We pray this in Jesus' name.